Open your Bibles with me, please, again to the book of Isaiah chapter 43. And let's look at this word the Lord gave us for the new year, this year 2024. And of course, we know it's not just something that's for this calendar year, but it's just the next part of our lives. It's laying foundation for where we, for where we go in the years to come. And the Lord spoke to us about this year. He said, this will be a year like never before. Praise the Lord. And he began to expound on that and make it even more clear to us. He said, if you will expect the uncommon and embrace the unusual, you will encounter the unimaginable. Can you see that up here? I'd like for you to say that with me. Let's say it together. This, this part about ex expectation. He said, what? Expect the uncommon, embrace the unfamiliar, and you'll encounter the unimaginable. Is anybody putting this into practice yet? We've been talking about it for the last several weeks. Are you putting it into practice in your daily life, expecting something uncommon, yes. expecting something unusual? I want you to make sure you're doing that on a daily basis. This is the word of the Lord to us and how easy it is to slip back into just expecting what you've seen before. But he's challenging us, church. We're all interested in countering the, the unimaginable goodness of God and favor and grace of God. And yet he gave us a part in it. And he said, your part is to expect. That's faith, isn't it? To have some expectation, to expect some things, maybe some uncommon things, things you haven't seen, things you haven't experienced. And when you see them, what are you going to do? Push them away or embrace? Man, as soon as you know that what you're seeing that God is in it, let me encourage you, reach out and grab it. Don't think about it. Don't say, well, that's interesting. Let me have some time. No, reach out and grab it. I think it was last week. I told you that faith is the hand that takes what grace is giving. Grace is God's hand that gives. Faith is your hand that receives it, that takes it. Now, let me put another word around it. And this is what we'll talk some about today. Faith is the hand that brings it in, that allows it in. Can you see that in that word embrace? When you embrace someone or something, you do that. You do that with arms and hands extended and opened wide and you bring it in. Nothing like a good hug, is there? Man, I remember a few years ago, I don't know how I got on this rabbit trail of videos on YouTube. You've never done this, <laughs> but, you, but I think some of you may know what I'm talking about, right? It's just, you didn't intend to go there. You weren't looking for that. And then an hour later, you know, you're, you're in a hole so deep. It's like, how did I get here? Well, this particular rabbit trail I got on were these videos, these compilations, you've seen this, of soldiers coming home, coming home to their families. They've been uh, in another part of the world on deployment for months and months, and the kids hadn't seen them in a long time. Has anybody else seen these before? And it may be Christmas time or birthday time, and the kid has a huge present in the living room, and he doesn't know what's in there, but he rips it open, and it's daddy, and he's in his He's in his fatigues. And I don't know if you've seen this before, but those, those little ones, those little boys, those little girls, they reach out and grab. First they scream, then they reach out and do what? 
embrace, pull them in. And the one that really gets me is those little girls, those little girls and their daddies, the way and it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I think there'd be a cool scientific study in this. If you watch them, it's one after another, they run to them and they jump. And it's not just a hands and arms embrace. Have you seen this? It is, it is a full body embrace. Daddy! And I'm watching these videos. I'm up in bed watching these videos one night. Sarah comes in and she looks at me. She goes, are you crying? I'm like, I'm not crying. You're crying. And um, not long after that, I was on a flight actually. It taken off out of Dallas, Fort Worth and headed somewhere to preach. And as I was getting ready to board the plane, I noticed a young man at our gate who I assume was getting ready to board this plane and he's in his fatigues, his camos. And, uh, he gets in line when they call the, you know, uh, m- uh, military service personnel, you can come board and all that. And it just kind of caught my eye. I noticed him on there and, and then we flew and we landed and I got off the plane and I'm coming down the, uh, the walkway there towards the baggage claim area. And I see a mother and two little ones. And they're like looking down the hall, all excited. And the mom is down on one knee and she's got a phone out. You know what I'm thinking, right? I'm putting two and two together. Daddy's coming home and my ride is waiting on me. I didn't have any bags to collect. I carried it on, but I thought, forget this. I'm waiting. I'm going to watch one of these things for myself. And I kind of stood at a distance. I don't want them thinking who's this creepy guy watching my kids. So I'm standing back over here and just waiting and waiting. I mean, I know I saw this guy get on the plane and it's taking some time. I'm thinking, well, is it, he's got to be coming. Right. And then I look over at this, this little girl and her eyes just get so big. And I can't see down this hallway from my angle, but they can. And I thought, here he comes. And mom is down on her knee and she looks that way. And she looks at her little girl and the little boy. And she said, go ahead. And they take off and they run into the open arms of their grandmother. I was so ticked off. I I mean, I love grandmas, but really I wanted some tears. I was ready to cry. Grandma. Thanks a lot, grandma. But the embrace. Why did I tell you that story? I don't know. It's the embrace, right? It's the reaching out and the grabbing and the what? Pulling in, letting in. This is what he's saying to us. Embrace it. I'm going to do some things in this church. I'm going to do some things in your life, in your family. Don't push it away from you. Don't resist it. Embrace it. Amen. And what's the promise here? We're going to see some things. We're going to encounter some things beyond anything we've imagined before. Now, our scriptural foundation for this is here in the book of Isaiah chapter 43. Put this on the screen for us from the New King James Bible. It says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, say it with me, 
I will do a new thing. And this word new, if you look it up, it has everything to do with what the Lord said to us. It has to do with the uncommon. It has to do with the unfamiliar, the thing that never before existed. So when he said, I'm doing a new thing, he's, he's encouraging us, exciting us, but he's also warning us saying, you've never seen anything like this. It's going to be uncommon to you. I'm doing a new thing and it'll spring forth. He said, shall you not know it? And this is what the new thing looks like. I want you to pay careful attention to this today. I will even make a road in the wilderness. Somebody say the wilderness, the wilderness. How do we know this year when we see a new thing that it's the new thing God's doing? Because like I've told you before, for everything God is and everything God does, Satan offers a counterfeit. And you don't want to buy the lie, do you? You don't want to buy the counterfeit thinking it's the real thing. One of the things the scripture says, and if, if the Lord leads us, we'll get into it at some point, but he says, you need to test every spirit. Actually starts by saying, don't believe every spirit, test it. That tells you not every spirit is the spirit of God, that there's other things in this world that are counterfeits. And you remember what a counterfeit is? It's something that's made to look like something else with the intent to deceive. That's what makes it a counterfeit. If I make something and I make it to look like something else, but I ain't trying to sell you and make you believe it's the other thing, that's not a counterfeit. The counterfeit has the intent behind it to deceive you and I into thinking it's the real deal. And Satan's been at work at this in the world from the very beginning, even up until now. This is why the scripture says, don't believe every spirit. You're not supposed to embrace every spirit. You and I are supposed to embrace what is the real deal? The Holy Spirit. He said here, I'm going to do this new thing. Shall you not know it? I'm going to make a road in the wilderness. This is how you and I know that God is in it, that this new thing is something God is in. It's a road where? In the wilderness. We've talked a little bit about this, but I want to dig in a bit more today. The wilderness studied the actual word, and it literally means a pathless place, a pathless area, which makes sense, right? When God's saying, I'm doing a new thing, an uncommon thing, an unfamiliar thing, and it's going to be a road in a pathless place, a road in a place without roads. Well, that would be new, wouldn't it? Where's this road come from? What's this path doing here? This is a wilderness where there are no roads. He said, the thing I'm doing is a road in the wilderness. He went on to say, it's like a river in the desert. Now this road or this word wilderness and this word desert really are the same thing. They communicate the same idea. It's two words to describe the same place. And if you study them, you're going to see this word connected to them. You ready for this? Make note of this. If you're taking notes, dry dry. What is the wilderness? What is the desert? It is a dry place. A dry place is a place where it's unproductive. And maybe I've used this word even in recent times, but I want to change the way I'm talking about it. I think I've used the word lifeless to describe it. It's not that it's lifeless. There's actually life there but it's not, 
Lord's going to have to help us with this. It's not thriving in the way you can thrive in a different environment. It's a dry place, a dry place. Somebody say that a dry place. The good news translation says it like this. The Lord says, do not cling to the events of the past or dwell on what happened long ago. Instead, watch for the new thing I'm going to do. It's happening already. And you can see it now. I will make a road through the wilderness and give you streams of water there. I'm going to make a road in that dry place. I'm going to put a river in the dry place. If there's a river in the dry place, it ain't a dry place anymore, right? And where there's a river, there's the potential for life to thrive. Praise God. Now, let me go back over this again. Every time God does something new or uncommon in the earth, there are always two groups that form. We've talked about this. Two groups that form. The first group sees the new thing and they resist it. They fight against it. They don't like it. Why? It's new. This is new. This isn't the way we've done it before. We've never done anything like this. Famous last words of dead and dying churches. We've never done it that way before. They resist it. They fight against it. But there's another group that forms in response to the new thing that God does. And they're not fighting it. They're yielding to it. They're submitting to it. They're receiving it. Or let me say it to you this way. They are letting it in. Okay. And we've looked at this scripture, but put this on the screen for us. Acts chapter seven, verse 51. And remember that even though perhaps he's still here early in the year, we don't know all the details about the new thing God is talking about doing in this church. What we do know so far is that it has to do with a major move of the Holy Spirit. I know this with such confidence, church, that whatever he's about to do and is already doing in your life, your home, what's taking place in your living room, in your car, on the way to work, on the way to school, it's a move of the Holy Spirit. And it's a new one in a way you haven't experienced it before. We're believing God to see that in our own home. And whatever the new thing is for Legacy Church in 2024 and beyond, I'm, we're starting to get about this much glimpse of it. And it's everything I can do to keep my shoes on right now. I'm telling you, it is exciting to us. And we're just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you just, just about this much of it today because I can't just let the whole thing out. I mean, there's a cat in a bag that's begging to get out. <laughs> Not yet, but I will tell you this. It is and will be a move of the Holy Spirit in this church, in this family, like you and I have never seen before. Now we've got to make a decision. What group are you in? Which group are you in? The ones that fight, the ones that submit, the ones that resist or the ones that receive and let it in. In Acts chapter seven, verse 51, the spirit of God came upon a man named Stephen and he is preaching and he is preaching bold. And actually this message turned him into a martyr and he died for this message. And I honor that. Do we honor that? And when he's preaching to these religious people, listen to how boldly he talked to them. He said, you stiff necked 
and uncircumcised in heart and ears, heart and ears. Is there a connection between your heart and your ears? What's going on in your heart determines what you're able to hear. I'll show you that in a moment. Uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always do what? Resist the Holy Spirit. Here's group one that always forms. You can go back to the garden and you can see these groups forming. You can see it all the way through the Old Testament. You can see it in the New Testament. You can see it in the ministry of Jesus. I'm going to show it to you again today. But these two groups always form those who resist, those who receive. And he's telling these people, you always resist the Holy Spirit. What are we going to do, church? Are we resistors or receivers? Are we fighters or yielders? We need to yield to this. We need to yield to the move of the Holy Ghost. Don't resist him, receive him. What's our other word for it today? Let it in, take it in, bring it into you, embrace it. Let me give you one other word to add to this. Flow, flow, somebody say flow. flow. Flowing with the Holy Spirit. And that word flow, isn't that also how we describe rivers and what they do? They flow. You want to know who has a really hard time flowing? Stiff-necked, robotic, mechanic, lifeless, stiff-necks. They don't want to flow. They, they, they just don't want to, they can't flow. Too stiff. And if you've never been a minister, it's actually a pretty fun experience to watch, to watch a service from this perspective because you can really kind of tell who's flowing, who's not. That's like flow, 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 not flowing. <laughs> flowing does not compute. What do we want to do? We want to flow with the Holy Spirit. What are we saying? Holy Spirit, which way you want to go? You want to go this way? Oh, that sounds good. You want to go this way? I like that too. That's flowing. Amen. Look at your neighbor. Tell him to loosen up. Amen. We want to flow. Go with me now, please, to the book of Hebrews chapter three. And let's look again today and pinpoint something here. To me, this is the biggest thing, I'm not quite sure how to say this, the biggest thing, the main thing that will keep you and I from flowing, that will keep us on the outside of this move of the Holy Spirit looking in. And this determination keeps rising up on the inside of me, church, and I want it to rise inside you as well. And it's the, this determination, I'm not missing what the Lord is doing. I am not going to be out on the outside of this thing looking into it. I'm going to be in the middle of it. I'm going to cooperate with it. I'm going to participate in it. And where he flows, I flow. Amen. So let's identify some things from the scripture that would prevent that and make sure these things aren't going on in our lives. In Hebrews chapter three, begin with me around verse seven. Let me read several verses to you here. I like the way this starts. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, are we talking about a move of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Would the move of the Holy Spirit be connected to what the Holy Spirit is saying? Yes. 
Of course it is. And scriptures like this make me laugh, especially in the day we live in, because in, in this place from 10 to noon on a Sunday morning and here, it's nothing for you or I to say, you know, the Lord said this to me and I heard the Lord say that. And I believe this is what the Lord is saying. You take that simple phrase outside this place and you say it to somebody who's not familiar with that concept. Tell me if I'm wrong. Do they look at you a little funny? You're telling me God talks to you. You're telling me you, you hear voices. No, not voices, voice, one voice and not with my natural ears. It's the voice of my good shepherd who will speak to me and to you and to anyone who is listening. Does he speak church? Yes, he does. Let him look at you funny. You know, I know the Holy Spirit says, what did the Bible say today? Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, let's hear what the Holy Spirit's saying today. I know this was written long ago, but if the Bible says today, does it apply to today? Absolutely. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. Listen to it again and let me emphasize a few words for you here so that you connect the dots. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. What does it go on to say? In the day of trial, in the wilderness. Hard heart, rebellion, wilderness. Hard heart, rebellion, wilderness. Connect the dots with me. Say it. Hard heart, rebellion, wilderness. I'm going to read a few more verses to you here, but you're going to be looking for these concepts to keep coming up over and over and what the spirit of God is revealing to us. And this is so huge. Are you ready for this? We are getting a front row glimpse into what kept an entire generation in the wilderness. See, we often talk about, and even these scriptures go on to talk about what kept them out of the promised land. And that's very true. But to keep them out of the promised land meant simultaneously they're staying in the wilderness. If you're not going in there, you're staying here. And you and I are about to find out what keeps somebody in the wilderness or in a dry place, dry place. Now there's, there is a major, a, a holy cow, you might call it a, a traditional way, religious way of thinking. And I know you've heard it before. I know you've heard well-meaning preachers and even just believers say things like, you know, God, God's got me in a dry place right now. You ever heard anybody say anything like this? God's just got me in a wilderness season. Brother, I think the Lord just has you in a wilderness season right now. Mm, that sounds good. Now here's a crazy thought and I'm just gonna throw this out there and you do with it what you want. Here's a crazy thought, but if you're in the wilderness, maybe don't blame God. Maybe check what's going on in your own heart. Crazy, right? God's got me in a wilderness season. I'm going to prove to you by the end of this time today, that's not true. 
All you have to do is read the scripture and you find out what kept these people for an entire generation, 40 years in the dry place. What was it? Hard heart, rebellion, dry place. He goes on to say in verse nine, where, or in that dry place, your fathers tested me, tried me, saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was angry. This is what makes God angry. Other translations use the word grieved. Therefore I was angry. I was grieved with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They've not known my ways, So I swore in my wrath, my anger. They're not going to enter into my rest. They're going to stay here. They're going to stay in the dry place. But what's God saying? Don't blame me. He said in verse 12, beware brethren. So now he's talking to us. Is there anything for us to beware of? Yeah. Beware brethren, lest there be in you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened. There's that word again through the deceitfulness of sin. For we've become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confession steadfast to the end, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, let me say it to you like this, if you want to hear his voice, do not harden your heart, as in the rebellion. Fast forward to chapter four, verse seven. Again, he designates a certain day saying in David today, after such a long time, as it has been said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Do not harden your heart. If God says something to us in his word one time, it's important. If he says it four times on the same page, wake up, pay attention. And what is he saying over and over here? Do not harden your heart. Why? A hard heart will keep you in a dry place. God's got me in a dry place. No, he does not. Your heart does. Am I being too bold? Do I need to say some nice things to you first before I say, you guys look really nice today. I like that shirt. We good? Check your heart. Let's stop blaming God. Amen. Do some heart check up here. He said, it's their hard heart that leads to rebellion that's keeping them in the dry place. Now he uses a lot of other words to describe the nature and the character of these people that lived and died in the dry place. He talks about unbelief. He talks about disobedience, which interestingly enough is the same word in the Greek. Disobedience is unbelief. Let me say it to you like this. Are you ready? Unbelief is not letting it in not taking it into you. Think back to when Jesus in telling the parable of the sower talked about four different kinds of ground that the seed got planted on. But in the revelation of the parable, the seed is the word of God and the ground is hearts, different kinds of hearts. And it culminated in good ground, which meant a good heart and in a good heart on a good heart, the seed of the word could get sown and it could reproduce. But the rest of the illustration is hearts where the word can't work. And you know what the first one was? Hard ground. 
He said it was wayside ground. It was the ground that people and animals walked and they walked it so much that it got hard and it got packed. And he said, the seed falls on it and it just sits out there. Why? It doesn't get in. Come on, are you connecting some dots right now? The seed falls on the ground, doesn't get in. So the birds are like, thank you very much. I'll take that. They come and devour the seed. And Jesus said, this is somebody's heart. This hard ground is he's actually talking about a hard where the word can't get in, can't be received. It's not, you ever use this expression? Let's just not sinking in. Come on, think back to algebra. Anybody else say what I said? This is not sinking in. What does that mean? I'm not understanding it. I can't process it. It's not getting in. And Jesus is saying, this is a dangerous place to be when the word's being preached to you, but it's not being embraced. It's not being taken in. God's doing a new thing. Not in you, unless you take it in, unless it sinks in. But if it doesn't, guess where, guess where we will stay? In a dry place in a dry place. And sadly, so many people have used those very words to define and describe their relationship with God. I'm just in a dry place with God. What are they telling us? Prayer isn't alive. They're listening to the word and it's not doing anything and, and worship's not really doing for them what it used to. And you know what Satan comes along to say? God's got you in a dry place. When the truth is what? Check your heart. Check your heart. It's like we talked about earlier today. The pure in heart will see God. God's just got you in a place right now where he's just not showing himself to you. Come on. Am I telling you stuff that you and I both have heard from the pulpit? When Jesus said, Hey, it's a heart thing. It's not even a God thing. It's a heart thing. Check your heart. Amen. So let me show you this in a couple of different places. Go with me, please, to the book of Mark, chapter 3. This is so interesting to me because I've referred to this, this um, account in Scripture for the last several weeks, not even realizing that the Lord was going to bring us right here, and He had some things to show us here. So this is exciting to me. Mark, chapter 3. Again, we're looking for the two groups that form, the resistors and the receivers the stiff-necked and the ones who flow, flow, flow. In Mark chapter three, verse one, it says, he, Jesus, entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. A withered hand. I learned something about this at 5.30 this morning, and I nearly shouted and woke that house up. I did not know what I'm about to tell you. He entered the synagogue again and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they, this being the Pharisees, the, the religious people, let's call them group one, shall we? The resistors. They watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. I think these people still visit churches today looking for faults looking for something to accuse with. And in verse three, Jesus said to the man with the, what kind of hand? Withered hand, step forward. 
Now this man has to make a decision right here. What group am I in? Resistors or receivers? And I guarantee you there's pressure present to be in group one. These are the leaders and there's a certain amount of fear of what these people could say and or do to you if you get out of line. But Jesus said to the man, step forward. Man, that's faith right there. Then he said to them, group one, is it lawful on Saturday to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? Now I want you to notice this, but they kept silent. They kept silent. He asked them a question. They didn't respond. And it says in verse five, when he, Jesus, had looked around at them with anger. With anger? That does not sound like Sunday school Jesus, does it? That doesn't sound like a lot of people's idea of Jesus. But the scripture is revealing to us, he gets angry. He gets angry. Now, a lot of people make assumptions about what he gets angry about, but you don't have to assume. What do you need to do? Read your Bible. He's, he looks around at them with anger, being grieved. What did we read in Hebrews chapter three? God said, therefore, I was angry with them. I was grieved with them. What was he grieved about? Hard heart rebellion, hanging out in the dry place. It grieved him. It angered for him or angered him because why? I got this land for you. I'm doing a new thing over here. You've been in slavery. Hey, let me tell you about a new thing. Flowing with milk and honey. Cities you didn't build. Houses you didn't build. Wells you didn't dig. It's a new thing. And you know what they said? Eh, we'll hang out here in this dry place. And it angered him. It grieved him. Let's find out what angers Jesus. He looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their heart. Same stuff. What angers him? Hardness of heart. Now, let me give you just a few characteristics of a hard heart, and you can see them all at play right here. And the reason we have to come at it like this is because this is unseen stuff. You, you and I can't open ourselves up and reach in there and physically feel, oh, is it hard? Is it soft? We need the scriptures to tell us and to show some things up in us. One of the first characteristics of a hard heart is an unyielding, an unyieldedness. In other words, these guys are there and they're watching and they're waiting to see if he's going to heal on a Saturday, on the Sabbath. Are they ready to flow? Come on. Are they ready to flow? Are they standing there saying, you know what? It's pretty unusual that we would have a healing on the Sabbath day, but flow, Holy Ghost. We ready to flow with you. No. Come on. Describe them for me. What would you, what would you use to describe them? Stiff. Robotic. Unyielded to a flow. And because of that, with this unyieldedness always comes fault finding, fault finding, fault searching, fault looking, fault finding. 
And, you know, in the early days of this church, even to now, we've, we've heard from folks that said, well, this isn't right and that's not right. And it's like, well, you, you found something that was wrong. Congratulations, you have eyeballs. We're, we, you know, if you look hard enough, you're going to find something somewhere. But it's a hard heart that's always looking for it. Looking for it, on the hunt for it all the time. And what that produces is an argumentative nature. People who are just looking for a fight. These guys are here this day looking to flow? No, to fight. They don't want to flow with this. They want to fight this. And they're hoping, just hoping he heals this man. Man, I wish some people would come to church with the same expectation these Pharisees had. Watch this. Sick guy, Jesus, he's going to heal him. Just watch. Oh, yep, told you. Why don't we come with some of that same expectation? The first characteristic of a hardened heart is an unyieldedness, a fight to the flow, unwilling to yield. What else do you see here? Unfeeling. Hard heart is an unfeeling heart. In other words, Jesus asks them, is it right to help him? Is it right to do good for this man? But they're not there looking at this man in the condition he's in. They're not looking at his disability. They're not looking at the impact that this disability has had on his life for who knows how long. Check this out. No compassion. No compassion. That's a hard heart. Unfeeling. Let me give you another word for it. Calloused. You know what a callous is? I think back around eighth or ninth grade for me, that's when I started to learn to play guitar. And I found an acoustic guitar at our house. And I found a chord book and I started teaching myself chords. The only problem was it hurt my hands so bad. Any guitar players in here? You know what I'm talking about. You got to press down on those metal strings and it hurts the tips of your fingers. I'm watching my son go through it right now as he learns to play. And getting those fingers in shape. But what happens over time, the more you press down and the more you stay with it, calluses build up at the tips of your fingers and it actually gets really hard right there to where you can't feel it anymore. And you could play for hours if you wanted to because what, what used to have feeling now has no feeling. And I built up some calluses in high school that I used to stick safety pins through the end of them. Thinking girls were impressed, they weren't. They weren't. But that's what a callus does is it takes the feeling out. There are some things that our hearts are supposed to feel. There is supposed to be compassion that rises up on the inside of us. When we see a sick and hurting and dying world, that's supposed to touch you. But when there's a callus, it takes a lot of pressure even to get your attention, doesn't it? Contrast that though with some sore place maybe you have in your body. Maybe you hadn't worked out in 20 years and you thought, you know, new year, I'll get in the gym here and we'll start with leg day. <laughs> but you go in there and you do some deadlifts and some squats and oh, I'm doing pretty good. And you add some weight to it. Oh, I'm better than I thought I'd be. Yeah. Let's talk again in about 24 hours, 48 hours from now. How you feeling? And you're hunched over and you can barely walk and you're sitting in a chair and somebody just kind of gives you a slap on the leg and you thought, this is it. I'm going to heaven right here. And now. <laughs> it hurts so bad. You feel places in your body. You didn't know you had, you forgot you had everything is so ready. 
tender. Tender. So it doesn't take a lot to get your attention in that spot, right? Can you see the difference here? Hard heart, unfeeling, calloused. Tender heart responds quick, responds easily. But you can see how hard their hearts here. Their hearts are here because they have no compassion for this man. So a hard heart is unyielding. A hard heart is unfeeling and a hard heart is unresponsive. Jesus looked at these people in the eye and asked them a question. Is it lawful to help this man today? But did they respond? No. And there is in my mind, maybe no greater display of dishonor than to treat Jesus as though his words were not even worthy of falling on their ears, unresponsive. And it was that silence that angered him, that grieved him. You know, you sit up here in church sometimes and you might hear us say, come on, say amen if you believe that. Sometimes you're in a service and you hear a preacher, fiery preacher, I can't hear you. Come on, help me. Is anybody gonna help me with this today? You know, and some of that's one thing or another, but the truth of it is, I don't need to hear you respond. You need to hear you respond. I don't need for my ego to hear your amen. You need to hear your amen. You need to hear you come into agreement with Jesus. Respond to the word. Somebody say respond. So a hard heart is unresponsive. A tender heart is quick, quick to respond, which would be quick to obey, quick to forgive, quick to repent. All of that is because of a tender heart. Are you with me so far? Thank you, Lord. Now here's what I found out this morning that I did not know. It says in verse five, he looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their heart. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. Now this guy could have said right here, eh, sorry, I don't think so. I don't think these guys are going to be good with me doing that. It's Saturday. Can we talk about this tomorrow? Which group is he going in? Jesus said, stretch out your hand and he stretched it out and it was restored as whole as the other. But I got to looking at this today and I thought, well, what, what condition is a withered hand? Kind of paints a picture, doesn't it? So I'm 5.30 sitting on the couch this morning. Lord, what's withered mean? I'm looking it up. You ready for this? Withered means dry. Dry. It's dried up. No more strength in it. It's there, but it's useless. Is no help to him? No strength in it whatsoever? Not Oh, whew. not benefiting the body. And he had a split second decision to make. Do I step forward? Do I stretch it out? Do I resist this or do I receive this? Oh, I'm seeing stuff folks right this second. Holy. Come on. How do you stretch for the hand? How do you embrace something? Stretch out your hand. Thank you. Never seen that to this second. Thank you, Lord. Stretch out your hand. 
stretch it out, he said. And this man could have said, well, I can't do that. It's dry. No, thanks. And had he resisted, you know what? He would have lived the rest of his life in dryness, in a dry place. But because he chose to, by faith, participate in this, who cares what day of the week it is? Huh? I'll receive this. I'll stretch it out and take it in. And immediately it was made whole as the other. Jesus took this man out of a dry place. So you can't say to this guy, the Lord just has you in a dry place. The Lord's trying to get him out of it. Jesus is the one trying to get him out of the dry place. God is the one trying to get the children of Israel out of the dry place. God's the one, the Holy Spirit is moving in this church to do what church? Get you out of a dry place. This is not his will for somebody to live aimless, wandering with no direction, dry in their fellowship with God, dry in their fellowship with each other, lifeless, fruitless. That's not his will. He's trying to get you out of the dry place. Somebody say it. He's bringing me out. Coming out of this dry place. Thank you, Lord. Can you take just a couple more minutes of this? Why don't you find for me Ephesians chapter four? And let me just read you a couple more instances of this. You see it several times, especially in the book of Mark. Um, Mark chapter eight. Jesus told the disciples, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. And they looked at each other and said, did you forget the bread? You were supposed to bring the bread. No, you were supposed to bring the, oh, he said that because we forgot bread. And Jesus heard it and he corrected them. And he said, um, and this was just early in the chapter. How many people did we feed with seven loaves of bread? They said 4,000. Okay. And what about with the two loaves and the, the, the fish and all that? Uh, 5,000. Okay. So it ain't about the bread. And he asked him, is your heart still this hard? He asked him about their own hearts being hard. What's he saying? You're not getting it. You're not letting it in. It ain't about the bread. So he corrected this condition in them. So what I'm saying to you is it's not just Pharisees that need this correction. Disciples need it too. In Mark chapter 10, they came to him. Uh, religious people. What do you say about divorce? Moses said, it's cool if we get divorced. And he said to them, what did Moses say? And they quoted the law to him. And he said, you want to know why the law says that? He had to make a provision, Jesus said, for the hardness of your heart. The only reason there was ever an allowance for it to begin with was because of hard hearts. I'll let you dig into that one. I'm just showing you Jesus addresses this over and over and over. In Mark chapter 16, you remember after he had risen from the dead, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene and she came and found the disciples. Thank God for women preachers. I'm going to keep saying that till y'all get on board with it. Came and found them and began preaching resurrection of them. First Easter Sunday message ever preached by this woman. She said, he's alive. And they didn't believe her. Then two more disciples saw him, came in and said, he's alive. We saw him. And the rest did not believe. Then Jesus himself came in the room where the 11 were and revealed himself to them. And instead of saying, Hey, look who's back. Instead of being all happy and cheerful, you know what it says? He rebuked 
the hardness of their heart. Now, to be fair, they're in a dry place, depressed over what's just happened. We thought it was going to be like this. We thought he's restoring the kingdom. He's dead. He's gone. No, he's not. He's alive. Yeah, right. And he told him he would be. They didn't believe him. They didn't believe her. They didn't believe the other two. What's going on here? They're not letting it in. This is good news. This is good preaching from these people, but they're not letting it in until Jesus himself showed up and rebuked the hardness of their heart. And you know what he said to them? Go. Go into all the world, which we've always heard is the great commission. And it is, but it's also the great correction. Get out of this dry place that you're in because your hearts are so hard that you wouldn't believe the word that was preached to you and get up and go. Get out there and preach. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm just showing you this is an issue and it's a condition that he addressed more than once. What did you find? Where, where are you at in scripture? Ephesians. This and one more and we'll wrap this up. Ephesians chapter four says in verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So as the Holy Spirit begins to move church in our midst, there needs to be one thing on our minds. I don't want to grieve him. I don't want to grieve him because I don't want to interrupt it. I don't want it to stop. I want it to flow and I want to flow with it. I don't want to grieve him. But right here, you got to ask yourself, okay, so what is it that does? A lot of people have a lot of ideas about what grieves God, what grieves the Holy Spirit. I grew up in church and heard people say chewing gum in church grieves the Holy Spirit. <laughs> And as a kid, I gotta be honest, it stuck with me. I, I never wanted to chew. I thought, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. I have not found that scripture. Maybe you are aware of it. I'm not. But we have this concept of the Holy Spirit to where he's just so touchy. And if anything just goes slightly right when it should have gone left or left when it should have gone right, the Holy Spirit's like, I'm done. I'm out. Peace. I'm out of here. I knew y'all were gonna mess it up. He's not touchy like that. And yet the scripture is clear with us what grieves him. So if we want to flow with him, let's not grieve him. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness. This is what grieves him. This is the result of hardness. Wrath, anger, clamor. That's arguing that argumentative nature we were talking about and evil speaking, all these things that come from a hard heart, put those away from you with all malice and instead be kind to one another. Check this out. Tender hearted, forgiving one another. If your heart's tender, how long does it take you to forgive? You do it quick. You don't let time go by. If your heart's tender, how long does it take you to repent? You do it quick. You don't delay. You don't resist for a little while, you yield to it. Even as God in Christ forgave you. Musicians, you guys can come on up. This is the last scripture I'm going to give you. And it's out of the book of Psalm chapter 68. Put this on the screen for us, please. Psalm 68 verse six. And here I'm going to give you one word. And this is a tiny glimpse into what I believe is the new thing. This move of the Holy Spirit in this body. And this is another scripture. This was yesterday. I was downstairs on the treadmill 
looking at this scripture that I've looked at a thousand times and started seeing stuff. I'm telling you, the Lord's doing a new thing. I got so excited about it. I could have walked another mile. I didn't, but I really could have, I promise. <laughs> Psalm 68, verse 6. God sets the solitary in. There's your word. what he is about to do and is already doing in this church is a move of God in our family. And I believe part of the reason the Lord hasn't said more about it yet and we don't have more details still is because the hearts need to get ready. If he spell it all out for us right now, two groups would form. There'd be some that'd be like, well, okay, whatever. And there might be some that would say, I can flow with that. But what if we had a whole body that was ready to flow? What could he do? Put that back up there. Let's look at it one more time. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out, here's his plan to bring you out those who are bound into a dry season, into a, a wilderness season in their lives where they'll just really have to seek him and in his good sovereignty and timing and according to his will, in a few years, he'll maybe bring you out of the dry season. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. prosperity. Do you read anything in that part about a dry place? No. no. This is his plan. I'm taking you out of this where you've been bound up and I'm bringing you into this to a land that flows with milk and honey to where you are prospering in everything you set your hand to do. Your marriage is prospering. Your family is prospering. Your business is prospering. You're prospering spirit, soul, and body and in every way. And I'm making you a big blessing to a lot of people. Glory to God. I didn't see anything about a dry a dry place in this, however, keep going, but the rebellious, hard-hearted, rebellious, those are the resistors, where do they get to live? In a dry land. I'm determined I ain't living in a dry land. If you're not living in a dry land, stand up with me and just say it out loud if you can. I'm not living in a dry land. I'm not staying in a dry place. Well, it's good for us to say that, but what did he say? The rebellious will. Anybody with a hard heart that is unyielding, unfeeling, unresponsive, those things will keep you and I in that dry place. So why don't we let the Spirit of God go to work on us right now? We can break that condition. We can break that condition in our hearts. And you break it by being quick. You break it by being quick to obey, quick to listen, quick to pray when he says pray, quick to give when he says give, quick to intercede, quick to forgive, quick to repent. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? Quick, quick. You build up calluses by being hard over time. And time 
is passing and it's doing one of two things to every one of us. It's either making you harder or making you softer. I want it to make me softer, but that's a choice and a decision we make. So why don't we lift up some hands right now before the Lord, bow our heads, close our eyes. And just right there at your own seat, in your own words, let it come up out of your heart and just let the Lord know, I'm gonna be tender. Just tell him, I'm gonna be tender, Lord. I wanna be tender. I wanna be tender. My stiff-necked, hard-hearted days are over. My stubborn days are gone forever. I wanna be tender, Lord, tender to you. Not unyielding, but yielding. Not unyielding, but yielded to your spirit, to the flow, to the flow. Say it again, the flow, the flow, the flow of the Holy Spirit. Tell him flow and we'll go where you flow. Not unyielding, yielded. Not unfeeling, not unfeeling. Let compassion rise inside of us. I don't want to be unfeeling towards the sinner, towards the sick, towards the hurting and the dying. Not unfeeling, Lord. Give us a glimpse. Put in our heart what's in yours for them. Let compassion rise. Now say it, compassion. Let it rise in me. Quick, tenderhearted. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. And not unresponsive but quit to respond. Today, if you will hear his voice, respond to it. When he asks you a question, don't, don't stay silent. Respond. Respond. When he gives you instruction, respond. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.